Welcome to Better Sex. I'm your host, Matthew Chambers. Each episode, I aim to have conversations with culturally and spiritually engaging guests. Some you'll know, and some you won't. Some you'll agree with, and some you won't. But hopefully all of us will come away challenged. Hopefully all of us will come away a little bit wiser. Hopefully we'll seek and find maybe a more empathetic view of humanity or a more expansive view of spirituality, perhaps even a deeper view of how to navigate the life we've been given. I'm still learning my way around this whole podcast business, so please bear with me as I figure out microphones and sound and levels and making sure the Wi-Fi works properly the entire time. These conversations are absolutely worth it. I promise. Today, I'm chatting with Grammy-nominated and Billboard Top 200 artist Lisa Gunger. Lisa and her husband Michael are known in the Christian world as the band Gunger. They have two daughters and live in Los Angeles, California. Their youngest daughter, Lucy, was born with Down syndrome, which was catalytic in Lisa's spiritual journey of doubt and exploration and healing. On today's episode, she'll be sharing about several of those key moments that began with childhood trauma and have guided her through significant times of deconstruction and reconstruction. We'll also talk about her work with a community called The Sacred Feminine and how she's investing in the lives of other women on similar journeys. A couple notes before we get started. There is some language used, and we do discuss sex and sexuality briefly toward the end of the episode. There are a few Wi-Fi blips at the beginning of our chat, but fortunately, the internet gods gave us favor and those resolved pretty quickly. I hope you'll enter this discussion with an open heart. Lisa is incredibly honest as she shares her journey, and I know she has something to teach all of us. So now, sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy Better Sex. I have so many questions about music in general, like this is the podcast where I just want to ask you all the things I've always wanted to ask you. Um, okay. Uh, like I, I, I sort of have an arc, but mostly I'm just curious. You guys have been all over the map, really. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if you read Christian Twitter about Michael and Lisa Gunger, I mean, you guys, you guys are like the sirens. Um, and so I'm curious, like, <laughs> I, I, you've told your story so many millions of times on in, in different <laughs> venues. So I don't really want to talk about the whole story per se. Cause if you really, somebody really wants to know your story, they can Google it. It's out there. Um, along with super fun headlines, like you might not recognize this Lisa Gunger or like, you know, whatever, whatever they wanted to say at that time. Um, I just read it in that particular tone of voice, but for you, like you guys have, I'm curious, like when you got to California, this was something I was thinking about this morning, actually, when you guys made the decision, Hey, we're going to go, we're going to, you found your community to live in. You moved into your house. Um, you've connected with some really fascinating people. Um, like what was the process of kind of those pieces coming together? And cause it sort of was sort of in the midst of your deconstruction too. So you found these people that lasted through your deconstruction 
And I, I don't, I mean, maybe you're, are you reconstructing? Have you reconstructed like where, tell me a little bit about that story. Cause that's what I'm really curious about. There's a lot of gaps there where I just want to yeah. know kind of how you landed and, and walked with these people through those moments to, to where you are even like right now to the point where you're listening to, <laughs> to worship music again. Um, yeah, well, when we moved to Los Angeles, uh, we were, so our youngest daughter had just had her second heart surgery. So Lucy was about seven months old Mm -hmm. and we, we moved here because we knew that she would need a lot of uh, different types of therapy. Yeah. And we've been traveling a lot on the road and we just didn't know if that would be a good for her. And, um, and, and it just really, our life just really changed when she was born. And that was, we also moved here because we had, um, there were some things happening with the church that we started in Denver and mm. we, someone in the leadership didn't want us there anymore. Wow. And, um, so we were really struggling with like, do we, do we stay and just do the church thing on our own, which we didn't, we didn't feel good about. Um, we didn't want to like force these other people to leave. So right, it was, right. It was an interesting, it was complex. Um, yeah. They wanted, uh, a lot of the people wanted us to stay. Um, but the way that the church handled it, I thought was the people, um, they were really embracing of us. When we told them right. where we were at, a lot wow. of people were in place. They, and what year was this? I was in questions and it was, this was, I think we had told them all in 20, it was 2013 or 14. And like okay. we tried for a while to like work it out. And okay. I know that the other person who we were working with, I, I know they were trying as hard as they could to work it out. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that was terrifying for them at, at that point or before Lucy was born, Michael had told everyone that he wasn't sure you know, God exists and it's a little problematic when you're a Christian man. Yeah. It, yeah that <laughs> tends to upset people. Interesting. You know what I found interesting? <laughs> you gotta believe in God if you start a church. <laughs> so yeah. it was, um, and I didn't know what I thought. I mean, I wasn't an atheist, but I, but I was really like struggling with what I believed. I didn't know what I believed. And, Um, but I, I, at this point where we moved here, so when Lucy, when Lucy was born, Michael was more like, I would say like creeping into mysticism. Right. I was having these, yeah, I, I, I think Lucy's birth kind of like blew, blew it all open for us. And. Um, especially I mean, I can just speak to my own story for me. Yeah. I had uh, always had these really mystical experiences growing up and um, church was this really beautiful place that I felt safe. And then also the, the very place that I learned a lot of harmful patterns yeah. uh, that I'm still like, even as an adult, I can see um, how we were given this story, this, beautiful story of Jesus. I love Jesus. Um, 
but when you're told that you have something that no one else has, yeah, you kind of create this really lovely looking narcissism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you have, you like, you have to save people if their life is in your hands. And so there's this posture and this perspective that you have on the world that they, that everyone doesn't have something that they're not okay. And that you're not okay. The root of you is not okay. Unless sure. you're saved by something else. So, so that is what we've continued to unpack. Like, I think the end of deconstruction was really before Lucy's birth. Okay. So when we moved. So there was a lot of work going on internally. Because how old is Lucy now? She's six. Yeah. So there was work going on, you know. Yeah. Way before that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. For us, things started unraveling like really um, way before it was like public knowledge. And um, when things blew up for us and people, there's a lot of people who got upset about how we interpreted the Bible. Right. Right. At that point, I think Michael was already an atheist. So we were like, (laughs) (laughs) well, if you're upset about that, Oh, wait, till you hear this. <laughs> I've been saving a good one for you. Oh man, it's a doozy. <laughs> You're gonna, yeah, <laughs> because we never felt like we were. We weren't trying to hide it ever. Like we weren't trying to hide um, what we were wrestling through and thinking. We were trying to be honest with people, and um, it just you know takes a while for people to. For anyone to like really understand what you're talking about and um well even to, even to, to reach a point where you know how to say it yourself exactly i mean we like, wouldn't in the word deconstruction yeah we we're just like what the fuck is happening we don't know yeah and we didn't we didn't know anyone who had gone through that obviously there's so many people who have we're not the first but we just weren't around anyone had gone through that and so we felt so alone so we mm. when we moved to LA um and this that followed us for I don't know how many years like the Congers are like they were somehow like really against faith or against um the church and just trying to tear tear it all down I feel like dropped in is such a buzzword right now so that's why I use it I like made my own joke that you don't even know about <laughs> Wait, it's, is it a buzzword? Wait, okay, so please, please help me, Lisa. I don't live in a cool city like LA. Everyone and their mom is like, you know what? And then I just really dropped into my body. <laughs> I, don't, it's great. I don't know I mean, what's it's happening. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to drop into your body. But I hear it all the time. And I'm a person that I hear something all the time. I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Like I can't hear, <laughs> I can't hear the word juicy anymore. I can't hear, and then I just dropped into my body. Um, I can't hear yummy. Wait, juicy? Yeah, these are all this. Uh, are we talking about like Justin Justin Bieber yummy? Is that yes. what we're talking about? Well, yeah, but it's it's real here. It's real here. Everyone, I just got some juicy stuff for you. And I mean, it's so the, yummy. Yummy, 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 yummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't. I can't. I but, can't. 
I mean, but getting back to, yeah, when we first moved here, that was such a change for us because Denver was so, Denver's so laid back. Yeah, it really is. So laid back. It's almost like if you're super into something, people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can you just relax? Yeah, easy. Easy. Take it easy. Go. (laughs) Look at those mountains. Yeah. (laughs) Go uh, smoke some weed in those mountains. (laughs) It's super, super chill. Um, But we, so yeah, we, when we moved here, that was like a long story of like getting into the frame of mind that we were in when we moved here. Sure. We're like not involved in church for the first time in our lives. Mm. So it felt like we were just um, dropped into a new way of of living. Um, And there were days I was really excited about it and it felt nice to have this fresh new start. And then there were, there were really hard times as well. I mean, we didn't really have, we didn't have a community here when we moved. Mm. We knew like some people that lived a little further away. Sure. So we were starting fresh and that was, I mean, you know. That's incredible. With, That's a big jump. A big jump, especially, I mean, you know how this is, having a kid with special needs, like. Yeah. Uh, You're already alienated in so many ways. Yes. Yes. So, um, but we, man, we jumped in. It was hard to do because you're not in school. I mean, all these places that provide community, like school or church or the, just the things that we were used to that supplied community for us. Yeah. That was just gone. Um, so it was really hard at first. And um, we just got used to a new way, a new way of being and found new ways to connect. And I connected with this whole group of parents with kids with special needs and um yeah. I met like Heather Avis who has yep. Yep. And, um a bunch of yeah really dear friends that we have now met through that and just slowly started building community and um it was a I think with any I think as with anything it's like one you know one step forward two steps back or sure sure steps forward and backwards you're taking there was this opening within our hearts and um towards spirituality or god source whatever you want to call it sure and then certain things would feel like like a hot button or triggering and so we kind of like pull back yeah and, and then move forward again but it was just continually like what step do i take take today what feels right today um because we didn't want to stay in a state of uh deconstructing and just tear sure apart every every little thing there's some constructs that are really good for us and i think that's what i started discovering like oh this is this is what i like to be a part of my life this practice makes me helps me and this practice in like Hinduism or this practice of Buddhism or this practice of Christianity. Um, it we began to see, I began to see what, what do I need to keep my heart open? Um, yeah. Well, cause I think that's going back to what we were talking about earlier. I, it's so easy just to, to sort of shut down. Yeah. And you know, one of the quotes that I always go back to, um, 
And there are still days, honestly, where like, it's almost, uh, I don't know if, if you have this, but I, I have certain quotes that I've encountered from different teachers over the years that just kind of like hang in the air of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can't, I don't always see them, but there are moments where they, they sort of come back around and there is, there's this quote from CS Lewis in, in um, it was the book, a grief observed where it taught, it's sort of like his, like his journals while his wife is dying of, of cancer. And I encountered that book initially during a, a pretty dark period of life, but there's this quote where um, he says, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially Lewis says, um, you know, there, there's not really any danger that I'm going to stop believing in God. Um, it's, it's more that um, this is what God is really like deceive yourself no longer. And so for me, it was just this, uh, I've had to sort of wrestle past that um, to even have a discussion um, that got me into the seat that I'm in right now, having conversations about spirituality from different vantage points um, is because there were, a, there were a lot of years where it was just like, Oh, so this is what God is really like. This is it. Um, and you, you definitely don't want to be associated with this. So I think what you're saying about keeping your heart really open, finding those pathways where somebody asked me recently, are you a Christian? And I was like, no, I'm more. And I think that it's this idea of we have to be more than I think even of, of what we are in order to, to keep our hearts soft and open, um, and, and thirsty, uh, for the things that need to be in us in order for, for us to be able to give life out to other people. So when you talk about finding practices in Hinduism or Buddhism or Taoism or mysticism or, or Christianity or whatever, was there like a hinge moment? Because I, I remember growing up as a preacher's kid and that was like anathema, like do you do not. Yeah, but it's the same thing. No, it's not. <laughs> It is not. It's it's demonic when they do it. It is holy when we do it. You know what I mean? So like for you, yeah. was there a like a hinge moment or, or a, a, something that just sort of clicked or like a series of clicks where you finally reached a point where you go, oh, I, I can do this? Yeah. Um, yes, it was a series of clicks. For me, I'm a really, I'm a slower mover. Sure. Feels like much like, quicker in that arena but for me it just takes me longer to process I want to feel uh, there's some things that there's uh, there's some things that I can jump on but I think yeah. also because I'm married to Michael that sometimes <laughs> I I take that role of the one who pulls the ring back <laughs> you know you sound like you remember Jordana that's how Jordana is to me oh. it's like I feel like I'm Michael yeah like, I'm like, let's go get, I, let me sharpen my pitchfork. Let's do it. Yeah. Like, and she's like, e, I, I, yeah, look yeah, at those mountains. It actually drives me crazy sometimes because like oh, sure. we met each other. I was that one for him. The, like the interesting the girl that like I'd had sex before I was, you know, married to Michael and I'm, what? Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely getting you a pen. Are you going to get And yeah, I would like make fun of some like. I would laugh. I wasn't making fun of, I was, I thought there were so many church things that we did that were just hilarious and loved. I was, you know, super 
Jesus freak, but also just like, isn't this funny? Some of the stuff that we do. And <laughs> Michael just thought I was kind of heretical. He was like, no, it's not funny at all. It's not funny that you are speaking in tongues and laughing. I cannot believe you. So now, I mean, it's really, it's really weird to see this like flip because that was, that's why he was like attracted to me. He was like, Oh my gosh, this girl's like on the edge. She's kind of like, he's going to, he's going to marry the bad girl. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> the bad girl that goes to church all the time. <laughs> Isn't that funny though? Isn't that funny? Like how small the box was. And you're like that girl over there in that corner of our really tiny box. Yeah. She's a rebel. I'm like, we're in the same airspace. <laughs> I know. I know. Like to think of, oh, oh and I, I tell this like story in my book of like, I kind of got like a little disowned from the church I grew up in. A little disowned. I don't know how you get a little disowned. What does that mean? But they basically were like, we're not. Supposed- You're saying that just to make yourself feel better. It's true. Yeah. They were like, <laughs> You're, they, were, they wrote me a letter and said like you were not following the will of God for your life anymore. And they were like, help. Mm. I had no money. They were sending me like $50 a month to help with bills and stuff um, because I had, yeah. And so they didn't, they like cut me off. And I remember sitting there mm. like, huh, this is so, what, so interesting because I, I think I was going to church like, I don't know, three times a week, two different churches, singing at two different places. And really not, it wasn't even just like about the works or how much I was there, like really feeling it just really yeah um so it's just it's interesting like yeah even on the inside of that box who we call good and bad and what is a good girl and what's a bad girl in terms of that though so you're talking about something really interesting so that you were really feeling it right so that and i think there's lots of people who grew up similarly to that we did and so you grew up very charismatic yeah okay so i grew up very so I, I had, I was a little bit different. So I, my dad's a Southern Baptist pastor, right. And still to this day, that's his ordination. Um, that was my ordination. Like I, that was my world, but we were also part of this church early in my life in central Florida that did like, it was like when, um, you remember Maranatha music, like they released the the tapes. yeah. Yeah. It was like a Yeezy drop for Christians. Like they just, yes. They had to get those cassettes. Oh, we got, oh, we got those cassettes. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. We- yeah. <laughs> they probably still exist in a box somewhere. Yeah. Because you can't destroy them. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we, <laughs> um, only if you got those Maranatha cassettes, do you, is this amusing at all? Um, so, <laughs> um, and, and you were always like, oh my gosh. You? Like it was like a whole package deal, right? Like some. Oh, for sure. It's in everything. And every time a new one would come out, like, um, like they dropped more tapes than Hillsong. So like every time a new one would come out, you're always like, Ooh, the banner colors on this one. Oh, they're so cool. This one's hot. (laughs) So we, we went to a church when I was really young before my dad really started pastoring, um, full time where it was a lot of dancing, a lot of like organized circles where we, you know, went in the circles and, and the laying on of hands and the tears and the, and the, um, uh, tongues and, and banners, so many banners. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. yeah, I mean, for sure. Right. Um, yeah, banners and American flags. Like it was a, yeah. it's like, they were very, that's a different podcast. So, um, fabric everywhere. <laughs> 
<laughs> so much fabric. And it was also glittery. Like you walked out and you were like, oh, the the, it's not the spirit getting Really on. supporting Michael's craft store in those days. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, well, see, that's the thing where, um, what's the other one that, uh, what's the other big store right now? They're not open on Sundays, like the craft store. Oh, Hobby Lobby. Yeah, Hobby Lobby. They missed it. Like if they had been around back then, oh my gosh. Yeah. They would have been billionaires so much faster. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so you were talking about being um like really feeling it. Like this is something that you like you felt like it was deep in you. And so I'm curious, as you look back now, and this may not be something you've ever thought about, maybe it is, um, but sometimes I f- I feel like I dug deeper into certain experiences or moments to cover up the fact that I was struggling with it and I would prefer not to think about it or not to, um, face the anxiety of, um, what I was fearing about what I was experiencing. So I just went louder. I sang louder. I danced harder or, you know, whatever the thing was, I read more Bible. Um, Mm -hmm. so like, do you, does that resonate? Like, did you have those experiences or were you just in it? No, I didn't. I didn't. I was in it. I was like, wow. I mean, and even just saying in it, I mean, my heart felt really open. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of like family things happening for me. That was the, my parents had gone through a divorce my senior year of high school. So my wow. year of college was really difficult and I was, um, um, wasn't talking to anyone about it, about like the things I experienced in my parents in the falling out of their marriage and just some really awful things that had happened. I was, I hmm. wasn't talking about it. I mean, nobody did therapy then. <laughs> I mean, right, right, right. I was in and, um, yeah. so I was just trying to bury this, like, a lot of sadness from the falling out of my family and how it ended was really terrible. It was really public. It was in the newspapers. I had to go to court to like testify against my death. Oh my gosh. And like things, I felt like I was in a bit of a daze and I didn't even really have language for it. Yeah. Until much later. Oh my God. That was like, that was so traumatic and I felt so exposed and I didn't feel particular. Mm -hmm. So I think me, pulling, I felt, yeah, I felt trapped in so many ways and, and controlled and me pulling away from my relationship with my mom, who had always been my best friend and my closest confidant that got convoluted, like with my spirituality. And since I was right. her, yeah. pulling away from, from God. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was just trying to make like these other things louder. I really felt like I was finding myself and making my mm. own choices for the first time in my life. And, um, it, it was very, it was, it was real. It wasn't, um, a false, it wasn't a facade. So then circling back around, taking that as a, where you, you go through this deconstruction, um, and you then you're in this reconstruction process and so then there's like a series of moments that kind of lead you to the place where you start to find 
life-giving attributes or experiences in other places or other belief systems? Like what, what were some of those things? Well, I remember, um, and you had, you had asked about like, was it like little clicks or was it one thing for like, that helped me not be afraid, I guess, of other religions. Right. And, um, after Amelie was born, our first daughter, I went on this silent retreat. It was actually in Sacramento. And they had different, all these different like goddess statues and god statues. Hmm. Uh, Saraswati and Lakshmi. And yeah. And how, did you, how did you get connected to that though? That seems really kind of a pretty big jump. Um, we had, we found out about this retreat. I don't know how we found out about it, but Michael had gone on it. Um, when they, they had a center in Italy and so okay. then they sold that place, they, they sold it and then moved to. So, so he went to the one in Italy and was like, well, you can go to Sacramento. You know what, baby, you can go to Sacramento. <laughs> he let me go. Isn't that so kind? Oh my God. That's such a good husband. <laughs> and my husband, he just let me spend, he sometimes lets me spend money. What? Uh, I know it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> you, guys, you guys are out of control in Los Angeles. I know. You guys. No, I know. <laughs> knows what's next. But so they they were in Sacramento and I went to that. And that's that's where a lot of, yeah, these different statues and prayers were. And that was the first. I'd meditated a little bit, but that was like my first deep dive into meditation. And there was definitely part of me that was like, oh, my God, if my mom knew where I was. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> she walks she walks in the door and like drags you out. Yeah, I told you. Uh but I I think that was like the first step for me of realizing like oh maybe these other paths have some beautiful things to teach me and maybe I don't need to be afraid of it. Yeah. So it was like way back then that that started for me realized this. That's a that's a great Would you talk about that for just a second? that phrase that I, and I, I hear you phrase things like this often. Um, and by often, I mean, whenever I hear you phrase them like this, but that I, these other paths have something to teach me. Like, like I, I appreciate how you phrase that. Not in that I'm going to be a convert of this new thing over here. And then next year yeah. we're going to join this one. Like it's these other paths have something to teach me. Would you talk about just that for just a second? Yeah. Cause I think that's an important distinction to make just from an open heart um, learning perspective. Yeah. Um, I think I had, well, I know I had some experiences where it felt like I was like leaving Christianity and going to this other circle and then got it realizing it's all the same and there's people who have the same problems. I mean, not exactly the same, um, sure. but there's the same fundamentalist. There's the same radicalness. There's the same poison that any, you can take any beautiful truth and make it about an ego trip. I think I like recognized that early on and I didn't want to just jump into the next thing and, um, I think I was learning step by step to listen to myself. And yep. was this beautiful, which at the time I think I saw as negative, but this like hesitation that I had. Mm-hmm. 
And I think for a while I thought that was negative. Like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just give myself, yeah, completely into Hinduism or Buddhism or whatever the next thing. Right, right, right. Now I, I can see that that was something that was guarding me because I had experiences where I did fully just trust sure. someone else with my whole, my, the whole of myself and got really hurt. Yeah. Instead of being cynical and bitter about that, I was like, oh, I can, that's a good resiliency tool that I've just put in my tool belt. And that's a good, um, I'm just learning how to listen to my body way back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, like didn't have a language for that. Didn't really know my, my intelligent body was speaking. Sure. But I, I also had some really beautiful experiences in Christianity. Right. I didn't feel like it was this thing that I just wanted to toss out, but it is the thing that path, Jesus, that is the is was the teacher that led me to the well. You know, like with all, yeah. all streams lead to the same well. And that's what led me to the well. And I don't regret that. Like, again, I think sure. so many things within the religion of Christianity that, that are absolutely harmful. And even now, things I can, I can still feel um, this, like, sometimes I can get overwhelmed feeling like people aren't okay. And I'm like, where, yeah. where does that come from? Yeah. Like people, people have the thing I have in me, the knowing and the, the source, the life, the energy, everybody has that. And that just changes how you do your work in the world. I can do my work in the world in a much more centered, loving uh, place of seeing, really seeing everyone as a yeah. human and their essence. But if, if I approach it like that, it's just such a different posture that I'm taking towards the world rather than frantic, feeling frantic and feeling like, no, you're, you're not okay. And there's something I have to do to save you. Like, Follow these steps. People will feel that, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Breeds codependency that breeds all kinds of like unhealthy things rather than breeds disempowerment rather than empowering people. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I just couldn't see that before. You can't see what you can't see. Um, so all of these, I think I started seeing the beauty in all of these different paths. And um, it took me a while to find that a groove of like what exactly my spiritual practice was in terms of like, what do I do every day to connect myself, to connect and center and settle the monkey brain, settle the, the thoughts. Um, Cause I think everything we do is, can be spiritual practice. But it's right. like this tangible thing. What do I do when I get up in the morning? I used to, Yeah. my mom for us, when we were little, she put pillows in the middle of the room and we would like dance around the pillows and sing worship songs. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like, I loved that as a kid. It was so funny. I loved it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, there's those things. It, yeah. But, and I just find that I gravitate towards, we all gravitate towards, we need rhythms in our life. Yeah. As soon as we think we can just, we just want to throw it all away. Anytime I've thrown out all the rhythms, I'm not well. 
So yeah. I need these, I'm coming back to finding what rhythms um, or have come back to because I've been doing it for a while now again, but what rhythms are good for me? What helps me open my heart? Is it this about Christianity? Is it this studying the, the goddesses in Hinduism? Is it Zen Buddhism? Is it like where, where is it that really that I can find? I, I, <laughs> I just, just where I, where I drop in, I was going to say, where is it that my body just really drops in and finds the flow? And then I, was, I was waiting on it. I was going to be really disappointed if that wasn't part of this part. Like I, I <laughs> oh you're so la you're so la you know it's la is just in her you know what i mean like it's just in her it's just dropped in dropped into her <laughs> um i i do want to get to uh i the so one of the things for this podcast that i'm i'm really hope hoping is that i i want to show process to people i really think that's very important because yeah. i think sometimes people look at the outside or they'll look at your twitter feed or they'll look at you know an interview that you did or the way you framed something in this song versus something you wrote you know a decade ago and they're like what happened to them <laughs> but what what i don't think that we do a very good job of is talking about the journey to get from here to here. And, you know, sometimes I think the, the way home is long. It's not a short journey. It's not, you know, just a quick jump from A to B. Sometimes it's not even A to B. Um, process is so important to me because I think the story of process is what people are longing for. Um, I, I, they, and, and one thing you said when we first started talking was, it was really difficult for you and Michael to talk about your own struggles in with faith or with God, because you just didn't even know how to talk about it. And you didn't have anybody to, to unpack that with when the reality was there were so many other people who were wrestling with the exact same thing at the exact same time. And everybody was feeling the same damn way. Mm-hmm. There was just nobody going, well, let's, let's just kind of, wrestle with it together like we let's let's see where we go i don't know where we're going um so for you i i am so grateful just for the journey piece of this because what i hope people hear is not lisa gunger was like you know fuck the church like i'm out of here and uh you know and then just like you just decided to go think all this other stuff or do all this other stuff. Like there was a lot of wrestling with, yeah, you know, who am I in this and what do I do with this mm-hmm. and how do I manage this? And when, so I, I'm so grateful for the journey piece of this because it, there is, if you, if you do the journey, well, I think there's a humility about, I'm just trying to find my way. I'm just trying to figure out how how to get wherever it is that we're going. Um, And so in the midst of that, though, one of the things that I have seen that I think is pretty amazing is you've begun putting together opportunities for, and I'm assuming it's primarily women, um, but opportunities for women to kind of explore in their own journeys. You've teamed up with some other people and and you guys are doing that now in, in a series of, I guess, I don't know how you're doing it right now in COVID, but yeah. um, I assume you guys have figured out something, but um, you're calling it the sacred feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So would you just talk a little bit about how you got from the your own journey portion, which I mean, I would I would assume you're probably still on in some level, mm-hmm. um, to reaching a point where you go, I really would like to help other people do this too. So I, that's I'm really curious about and kind of how how you came to that and and then kind of how you gathered the people around you to help you do it and yeah. um so I, I'm just super curious about the sacred feminine and, and what it means and and what it's for and 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 how you experience it and and how you teach and how you learn and yeah. so super curious yeah um so I think what oftentimes can happen in when you start deconstructing one thing, it's that's the thread that oh, it's like, <laughs> now we're going to talk about yep. what does it mean? It's not just like for us, it wasn't just deconstructing faith, then it was deconstructing what is reality, what does it mean? To, what is humanness? What is yeah. marriage? What is a woman? What is a man? So, really, like <laughs> opening up. To all of that, like, what yeah. is this? What is this story we find ourselves in? <laughs> and I could see I got to the point where I felt like, I mean, I've I've loved. There's so much, so much, so much about marriage that I've that I've loved in our whole life that I've really loved, and there's this other aspect of it that I didn't really talk about much because I didn't, Mm. it was just this feeling that I was having that I was second rate that any place we would go, like anyone that was interviewing us, they would only talk to Michael. Everyone thought just Michael wrote the songs. Like, and there was this feeling in me that it was just my ego for a long time. Mm -hmm. I didn't be noticed, but I mean, I'm sure that played into it as well. Um, But also, I mean, I was experiencing massive sexism, like so many places that we went. Yeah. I ever talked about it. I mean, I don't know how many times I was actually told, well, you, well, yeah, of course women can't be in leadership. (laughs) Of course women can't. Or of course... Mm. Um, oh, hi, honey. Why are you here? Who are you? Who are you? Man? It's mind blowing. Really? And I'm just like, oh my God. And I'm just like, wait, am I only welcome here because Michael is here? So feeling this really deep um, sense that I didn't belong as a woman and was so like felt all this resentment and anger building up and I didn't know who to talk to about it because I travel with a bunch of men. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I did bring it up, someone would say, Oh, well, look at you. You're just, Oh, like that's why you can't, women can't be in leadership because look at you're upset about this thing. I was like, but you're telling me I don't belong here. And Mm. so what do you think is going to happen? That I should smile about that, you know, and be, grateful that you're told yeah. me that I now get back get back there behind the merch table and sell some CDs. And so I got I I felt like my this transformation in myself, I think a lot of it now now that I'm reading more books about it, I can see mm-hmm. 
all this happens. Ah, I don't want to say this. Not that I'm just reading more books about it, but um, you stop giving so many fucks. (laughs) Don't leave. (laughs) And I'm just read this. Which book was that in? Which book was that in? And so it was in all of them. All the, all the. Is that a direct quote? By women. Yeah. yeah. Direct quote from all the women. <laughs> That's amazing. It's all these different female authors say the same line. They say the same line. They're like, I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like a one page book. It's just what it says. <laughs> it keeps saying it. It's amazing. <laughs> it says that in the intro, in the table of contents. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing like was happening in faith. Like I'm thinking I'm alone in this experience and then I'm realizing, Oh God, okay. All these women are having this experience. This is, we live in a sure, mm. of course, but um, it just wasn't the conversation I was in. So I didn't see it. I mean, I'm right. taking, uh, I mean, there's so many places that it was so apparent in my life, but like my mom couldn't buy anything without my dad's approval. But I didn't, Mm. I didn't know what that was. You know, uh, she was also a woman that went to her own church and not to my dad's church. And so she was like the talk of the town because she wasn't following his way, but I didn't know what that was called. No, that was, I didn't know about sexism and patriarchy. I didn't know all all of this. But, and it's just what it was. Just what it was. This is the world. Just what it was. Yeah. This is reality. If you, what do you do? What do you do about it? Is there anything to do? So, um, Mm. so I hit this point where I could see how I'd really postured myself towards the world to try to be a good girl, try to be likable, um, be nice, be acceptable, be sexy. And I was like, Oh my God, I've spent my, a lot of the majority of my life, like thinking that I need to be attractive to who? why and yeah i just really hit this like fuck all this moment <laughs> and i told i told michael i was like i i need autonomy over my own body because i feel like it's always belonged to someone else and that needs to change for me um uh, it's amazing too in that because there are still you you mentioned earlier about things that hang on, like stuff that you still like, like the way that our our brains were wired from growing up in that particular mindset. Yeah. Where <clears throat> I I it it takes a long time to uproot that shit. It does. It really does. I mean, there's there's still things now or like decisions. I'm like, can I make this decision on my own? Well, I guess I can. I mean, there, it's, it's some deep programming. And yeah. how, do, how do you find that balance even like within a partnership? Of like, what's codependency? What's healthy attachment? Uh, mm-hmm. We're still looking at that uh, in really hard, deep ways. And it, it's been so hard. Like, Okay, so you you for a moment you'd said something about deconstructing deconstruction and how people perceive that and how I think that was per, I wanted to say this really quickly. I think a lot of people yeah. perceived it as 
like maybe a cool, like it was like a cool thing <laughs> to like question and deconstruct faith. And it really wasn't, it was just, yeah. and so much wrestle. And now with this, <clears throat> when we're looking at relationships and marriage and partnership, yeah, Michael and I've been married for 20 years now. And when we look at the roles we've taken as a man and as a woman, it's, it's been really hard. Like to me, mm-hmm. it's been just as hard as, I mean, that moment where you, the moment that I felt where I was like, Oh my God, is there a God, this thing that I've built my whole life on? Is that not real? What a devastating feeling that was for me. Yeah. Or a, oh no feeling mm-hmm. and like equal to, to this. Oh my God. Will our marriage last through, through, us questioning these roles that we've taken and yeah. patterns and how we, how we treat each other. And like, again, there's so many beautiful things, but also just these things that these unconscious patterns. And we're, we're like deep in on some of these, like these books that are changing our, changing our life right now. Um, and how uh, is, uh, Carl Jung says, I think I just posted this the other day and it's like this post that I did for the sacred feminine, but until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it faith. Hmm. Yeah. And I, but those are fair questions. Will this survive? Like what survives Yeah. and what doesn't? I, one of the biggest things for me, and I, I won't speak for Jordana because, you know, we're obviously on our unique journeys. Um, together and then individually, but I, it's one of those things where we got married. You guys are pretty young. I guess when you got married too. 20 years, we've married 18 years. Yeah. Wow. We were 20 and 21. So. Yeah. Michael Michael was 19. He turned 20 on our honeymoon. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that whole thing was like, you felt like you won. Yeah. Um, and for Michael, he got to have sex before the rapture. So great job, Michael. Um, <laughs> like how many Christian kids were like, please don't come before I have sex. Come before I have sex. It was a genuine concern. And I was like, yeah. we've heard so much about this. Like we have to, like, <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so, but that whole thing of like, you get married as one person and then you go through this process and you you are now a different person. Yes. Living with this other different person who you knew as this, and now you're having to meet them again as this. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get it. It's a complicated, um, painful. And uh, there are beautiful things in it, Yeah. but there are very excruciating things in it too. So much. Oh God. Yeah. There's and you know, I think step-by-step step, we were just like trying to open our hands and allow each other to to change. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to change. So it's just like yeah. how much suffering are you going to create for yourself by holding on to that? But then also what do you give up for each other in order to be in relationship? Yeah. I think commitment is beautiful. Like I want to sit on our front porch when we're really old and talk about the grandkids and all these things that sure, yeah. all the stupid ideas we had and all the times we thought we had it right. And all the things we've learned, like, I want that. I think there's really something beautiful about being committed to a person. Um, but it doesn't last unless you allow each other to change. 
or yeah. or you you go yay we have a marriage but you're like dead <laughs> you're yep. just dead yep. i don't know i mean we were trying to like look at how many couples that we there are that we really admire and are like okay this is a relationship we can like look up to and glean from i think there was one maybe but they were like are they really alive are they really being honest with themselves like it's uh it's a difficult thing to remain in committed relationship with one other person for the rest of your life (laughs) it really is but especially when you come from a culture like we came from that was like this is what it means to be a good boy and girl. Yeah. What it means to be a good yep. and wife. This is self-sacrifice is everything. You have to, to kill yourself to love another person. Again, like, yes, there's self-sacrifice. Yes, there's, there's so much that you give up, but you don't, if you completely, I just found, I, I totally lost myself and I felt someone else had the reins to my life Yeah, and went through this process of coming back to myself and what I wanted for myself. Cause there was a point I felt like I was following Michael's path and everyone thought that everything that he believed is what I believed. And I just didn't care as much about tweeting. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> You 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 didn't really want to get the shit kicked out of you on Twitter every day, so I understand. It's fine. But all right, but I was also I had some deep convictions of my own, but I also just didn't think that everyone else needed to follow my own convictions. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, there's yeah, and I'm sure there was times I was scared to tell everyone what I believed, but I also sometimes just didn't see the point of it. So. Anyway, it just felt like. But that was you. You, that's how you, like you were an individual married to Michael, but separate from him in that, you know, he saw things one way and you were experiencing them in a different way. Even if there were some parallel or intertwining perspectives, there was still this whole other side. Like I. Yeah. That's one of the things that I have really enjoyed about this this evolution of even my own relationship is it's kind of fun to know that we think differently about things. Yeah. Like a- it's great. I mean, a lot I love Michael's evolution and the story that he's been through. Yeah, a lot of it's been really hard, but so has mine for him. Mm-hmm. This is definitely, you know, a two-way street. So, yep. so yep. I it was almost like Michael was the last teacher standing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, yeah. And I made my rounds through all these teachers and I was like, do you know the way for me? Do you know the way for me? Do you know? And then my husband, of course, it's the closest relationship to my heart. Do you know the way for me? And I remember the day, I remember the moment. It was like this thought, and I know this might sound like so ridiculous to other people, but that's just how it felt in my body and how programmed I was to think that someone else knew the way for me. Mm. Um, like it felt like the thought creeped up and like came here. And I was like, no, 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 don't have that thought. Don't have that thought. Don't have that thought. And then it was there. It was like, he doesn't know the way for you. Mm. Fuck. How dare you think that about your husband? I know. How, how dare I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Recommending me. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
But that's how it was like, I thought that he knew the way. Yeah. And that, and it was terrifying to me to think, what if he doesn't? What if nobody knows the way for me? What if I'm the, what if only I know? And, and I was like, why am I so terrified of that thought? Yeah. And then it was, yeah, it was, it's just like, just the thing unfolding, 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 going down the rabbit hole. Like, you know. But again, it's the process. Like it, it wasn't like you one day woke up and you were like, I hate men. We're going to burn the patriarch to the ground. And I am the only one who knows. Like, yeah. that's not something you just wake up with. Yeah. And it's not even where you landed. No. Like for yours, it was so deeply personal and emotional and spiritual yeah. to get to that point. And you didn't have to raise any villages. Like it, you know, like there, it's this moment that you arrived at that now like casts uh, not even a shadow, but it casts light over all of the other moments. Yeah. We discount the journey so much because all people really see is, Oh, well, she's doing these retreats or she wrote this book or in it, um, or they wrote this hit song or, you know, whatever the thing is, it's like, you have no idea how many moments led to this moment. Yeah. Um, and how many more moments are going to follow this moment to get me to the next moment. Now I, it, there's just, the journey is so crucial. Yeah. It's so, it is so crucial. And I know where that began. Like I know hmm. where the distrusting myself began and it was way back in childhood. You know, yeah. I remember people telling me like, well, you, Oh, are you confused about this? Let me tell you because I'm an adult and I can hear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, different. There's, I know, I know where it came from. Like some traumatic moments in my childhood. Yeah. And, and then I could see that there was times in my life. I really was trusting myself yep. and times in my marriage where I would say, Michael, I think this is the way he wasn't like this domineering ruling man over my life but there were even when I would bring up the patterns of where I was like I feel like you think you know the way more than me and he'd be like no no no, I don't think that but it was unconscious and like even since then I mean since then he's come to this realization like oh my god I didn't I didn't realize how that was there yeah. In the subconscious. Just, again, yeah, it wasn't this conscious way that either one of us were living, but we were just acting out the programming that we. Yep. It's how deep it goes. It's how deep it goes. So, yeah. So, I, um, so with Sacred Feminine, I was like, oh my God, I need, I know there's so many women like me and I just want to be with them. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even like, I want to teach them what I've learned. <laughs> I, we heal together. And so can we just be together and, and celebrate each other in, and love each other in our feminine ways? Because um, all of these feminine attributes have been just so squashed. And yeah. and yeah, so I call, I was like, I want to do something. I just want to get together with women. Who can I do this with? And yeah, I just remember calling. I didn't even have a plan. I was like, and at this point, I was still like a little afraid of doing things on my own because everything I've been doing with Michael and I have done music together for so long. I'd just written a book 
And I felt like I was finding my feet again. I was remembering yeah. shit on my own. <laughs> it was such a, such a, I mean, again, so beautiful. I love that we've done music together, but I got to this place where I felt like I didn't, I didn't know how to do something on my own. So I was just like, I'm going to do this and uh, not even really like think about it. Just like go with the yes. And so I called Hillary and was like, I need, I need you to do this with me because you're a therapist and I love you. And she's kind of like my wife. And so I was like, there's no, you're talking about Hillary, Hillary McBride. Yes. Hillary McBride. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like, at first she was like, yeah, okay, well it's like, I think she, I don't know if she thought I was like, wanted to hire her. I was like, no, I want you like, let's do this together. And so, um, she was like, yes. Oh my God. And the first retreat we had just blew us away. And I think, Hmm. I mean, I tell everyone this, I was like, I think we, I know we needed it just as much as anyone else. Yeah. Um, It, it, it just furthered this like connection in myself and with other women, it was so healing. Um, And since then, yeah, we've had so many retreats that have been amazing. The women are incredible. It's, it's about them. It's about what they give to each other when they show up. Uh, and it just gets really wild. It gets super wild. <laughs> super <laughs> wild. Go on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <Don't. laughs> no, you have to go on the retreat. Yeah. <laughs> are they all in Sacramento or are you going to have some in Italy? Oh, yeah. We're going to go to Italy. We're going to go to France. We're going to go all over the place. Uh, we actually had one scheduled for Italy. We had to cancel it because COVID. See what happens. See what happens, Lisa. I know. I know. <laughs> Women should never plan something. Uh, shouldn't, have, shouldn't have trusted your feelings. You shouldn't have. No. Oh, my gosh. That's what happens when women start listening to the feeling thing. <laughs> Trips. And, then, and this is like my, my want for sacred feminine is how do we not fight with the same weapons that patriarchy has given us? So I don't yeah. get caught in this thing of like, down with men, they've been shitty and blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's not where we're coming from. It's like, this has affected everyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, what are the ways that, like, can we even unpack that? What, yeah, what are the ways that patriarchy is a really oppressed men? And you haven't been able to be in touch with your emotions. And there's, of course there's wars. <laughs> The yeah. way that we live has affected all of the men on these very deep levels. So how do we put all of the pieces back together? And so sacred feminine is not about like, yes, let's, how, how can we create a safe container to be angry and, and let mm-hmm. that anger move through us instead of trapping yeah. our bodies? How do we not call things other? How do we look at our shadows and how do we take responsibility and how do we empower, how do we empower ourselves? And it's, these are, these are all things that we talk about the sac- at the sacred feminine retreats. And that I'm still, still really unpacking for myself. One of the things that is interesting to me, and I don't even know if it's conscious, but I'm, I'm curious. So we've talked about all these different sort of evolutions and pathways and spirituality and doubt and faith and empowerment and, and healing and, patterns and femininity and and sacredness and whatever all so all these different words and and what's interesting is for people listening depending on the context by which they encounter those words will determine 
how they hit yeah. when, when you hear them, which is such an interesting, that's also probably another podcast for another day. Yeah. Um, when I listen to you talk, one of the things I'm curious about, um, I appreciate that we've not had it in the conversation. Cause I think it's, it's, I don't, I don't say this lightly, but I think it's sort of a lazy way around some of these more complicated things, but I am curious your take on where you find love ultimately in the midst of all of these other um, parts of who you are now. Um, like we've talked about committed relationship to another person. We've talked about, you know, um, we haven't even, we haven't talked, we've talked about patriarchy. We talked about all those different things, but when you now look back toward the idea of love on any level, uh, uh, erotic love, uh, marital love, friendship, love, uh, spiritual love, whatever those things are like, do you find that or in the same way? Cause I, for conservative Christianity, I feel like that was such a big, you know, even if you start with the most basic, like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world and we just throw it around, um, in, in, so much of what we do that I don't even know that we ever really explore the weight of, of what that word entails. Um, and what's interesting to me is I feel like you are talking about love in all of these other areas. You just don't use a, a word for it. Like it's something that is happening. It's something that you are experiencing. It's something that you're giving, um, but it's almost something that you don't have to say just because it's something that you are or that you are um, uh, enveloped in, um, in all these other places. So I'm, I am curious, like, is that a conscious thing? Is, is that something that comes up in some of these uh, retreats or in how you kind of experience spirituality or your marriage? I mean, how do you encounter love now versus how? we were raised to sort of just coat everything in the word um, without ever really understanding exactly what it meant. I think love has changed. Like, well, again, like obviously love has never changed with my idea of love. It used to be like to be nice. Mm -hmm. Love was nice. Yeah. Love was connected to all of these attributes of myself or people that were labeled good. Yeah. I'm using air quotes for people who can't see. Yep. Air quote end quote good people. Good. Um so thing something like telling your spouse I need autonomy over my body was a hard thing for me to say because Years ago, I wouldn't think that that was love. What I felt in that moment was I need to be loving to myself. What sometimes love is drawing boundaries. Sometimes love is ripping apart. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's mending. Sometimes it's coming together. Sometimes it's destroying. Yes. To see that it's not just the light. It's the yin and the yang. It's all of it. The, the body and the shadow that my body casts. 
Yeah. And that's hard for me because I think I, I can often see like experience people who are pushing the boundary or breaking out of some kind of system. I can often experience that as just like harshness, not love, antithesis, yeah. love. But I had this experience once where it was a psychedelic experience. It was almost like I was being led to all of these really dark places. And hmm. I could feel love saying, where are you afraid to see me? Am I not in this? Am I not in this place? Hmm. Not in this place that, and this might feel really like scary, but can you see where I'm at in this place? Like all these places that I've called separate from the I, from the source from you, like it was very kindly, gently just leading me to those places. And I could mm. see love wanting to experience God, the goddess, again, whatever you want to call it, wanting it's all love, wanting to experience itself fully. Um, and I could see my own like aversion, uh, my reaction, my aversion, my um, constriction within my body, the, the hmm. in a way that I would do for certain areas. I was like, no, God doesn't exist there. Love can't exist there. And it was almost like it was saying it, like this experience I was having, whatever's, whatever it is that's speaking during this. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> like, no, you can find me here too. And I just felt like this integration happening in my body, like these pieces coming together that I had separated and didn't really want. I was too afraid to look at. And, wow. Um, so love, I see if I'm, if I'm aware, I can find love in the trajectory, the want of love so many places there's still some places that i'm like oh no that's not no that's not that. mm. but it's it's really opened up for me and do you feel like now that you are able to see it in these other experiences that it also helps reframe it in the light um i just i don't i just think i see the dark is different mm. interesting dark is bad and light is good Mm -hmm. It just doesn't exist anymore. There's a lot of pretty profound things to learn in the darkness. Yeah. Which probably, again, is another, an entirely other podcast, just because I think that a lot of what I've heard during the pandemic is people go, they're really uncomfortable with silence. They're really uncomfortable with being alone. Mm -hmm. They're really uncomfortable with, and some of this is for very good reason, right? So, so. Like we have our own stuff that we come up against when we're alone or when we're, when it's really quiet um, or when we feel like it's all bad news all the time. I just really want some good news. I need, I need, I need good news. And this is, why are they withholding the good news from us? Like, like it's this thing that happens. Um, and I, one of the things that I, you know, having a child with special needs, like we've had to deal with the unknown, the darkness of that, you know, of not knowing 
how something's going to work or if it will work Um, or having to grapple with the reality that it's not working or the silence of not hearing results or information or um, and that leads to some pretty dark moments. So like for the last 14 years, I feel like has been this really strange training ground for how to live in the silence to how to live in the darkness. Um, and you find your way in it. Um, just like you would the light, it's just a completely different set of circumstances. And, um, it definitely heightens your senses, um, in other ways, you know, where in the light, you just really just trust your eyes. Um, but when you're in the darkness, you learn how to, to trust so many other parts of yourself, um, figuratively and literally, um, that I think we, we, we forget about a lot. We don't even, we, we, and we forget about how valuable those other senses are (laughs) into helping us be who we are. And, um, I, I am so grateful. We've been talking for a long time and I'm so grateful for your time. Uh, and my final question is how do we have better sex? Yeah. That's the question. <laughs> we have to end. How do we have better sex? Like if we're going to go through these processes, there's going to be so many different stories told and experiences shared. And um, so, but it all, for me again, though, it all comes down to, okay, okay. Great. great. Thank you for saying all that stuff you said. Cool. How? How do we have better sex? I love it. So Lisa Gunger, how do we have better sex? Oh, God, this is the best. I'm so This glad. is where you earn your That's pin. That's question. I love it. <laughs> um, I love sex. Okay. Um, learning about tantric sex, I think is a must. Okay, so, so hang on. So you're going like spiritual and physical at the same time. The connection is everything. How are you connecting with a person? Mm-hmm. Again, I think this is where like patriarchy has really um, hurt so many men in this area because like so many men have been told you're just an animal, an animal and just have sex. Yep. I agree. Yep. The women are the sensitive ones that need to be wooed and, and you're just going to fuck, you know? Yep. True. It's not true. So our, I feel like I've been really lucky to have had a great sex life. But when we started practicing tantric sex, it kind of blew the roof off of everything. And it, like, I, just, I just feel like our sex life has gone up and up and up, which is pretty great for 20 years. And we've definitely had like our... It's pretty important for 20 years, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's pretty important. Um, but like the connection. So we started with just eye gazing. And it's, in, it's amazing how difficult that can be. The eye gaze. Yeah. When we first tried it, I realized I was like, oh, my God. I had this thing where I was like, oh, I don't, I don't trust you in this area, <laughs> in this area. Like I trust you in these areas, but. It's like a whole session. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. You will find out so much about yourself. So you, you find out about yourself and your partner in these deep ways. And it just opens up your body for this intense, beautiful connection. And this when you're more connected and vulnerable with someone that you really trust and feel safe with, 
I mean, that's how you have better sex. It's a great answer. Now, short follow-up, just because you have been married for 20 years. Do you feel like, easier is not the right word, but do you feel like this is a more natural way forward for you 20 years in than it would have been, regardless of your upbringing? So uh, then it would have been like year one. Like, could you have dived in? No. Okay. Well, but it's where we were at, even just, yep. I think, yeah, I'd be like, that's a bunch of voodoo weirdo. <laughs> I'm not going to look at my husband in the eyes. <laughs> Why would I? Do- he's, the head of- <laughs> he's the head of the house. I have to drop my head. <laughs> look at the, Look at the floor. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, but, but I think year one, anybody could do it. Um, Okay. I think it's uh, very tangible for people. Um, but it's so what you're saying. It's a, it's a process, just like everything else. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But the but you don't even have to go like the tantric route. Just like sure, be together, look at each other in the eyes, see if you can connect with each other, and on an, in an emotional way. Mm. Um, and for men to allow that part of themselves to open up, and for both to be able to receive, to, to receive the other in their full humanness. That's, that will help you either realize you shouldn't be together (laughs) 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 or you'll have better sex. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes at the same time, Yeah. at the same time, there's a a lot. It's either going to wreck your marriage or you're going to have better sex. (laughs) You're going to realize, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So listen, we've been staring at each other a while now. I think I'm out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, I'm realizing I don't like you very much. How do you say that? I love you. <laughs> I mean, you, decent eyes, decent eyes. <laughs> oh. All the rest, not great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good answer. Good answer, Lisa Gunger. Um, thank you. Thank you. For spending time today. I'm really grateful. Um, if if people want to know about, I know you guys are navigating a lot um, to try to figure out how to do Im- impact and invest in people or women sort of in the midst of all this. But if people want to know more about that, where can they go to find all of your things? Um let's see, sacredfeminine.co. And uh, this is so, it's so silly. Like we're, I'm so bad at updating things. I'm yeah. marketing, I'm bad. So like, I don't, yeah. Like I was going to say people could go to my website, but as You can still pre-order your book until 2018 right now on your website. No. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I would, <laughs> well, no, here's what's funny. So I pulled up your website. <laughs> I don't want to take away from sacredfeminine.co, but um, I went to your website because, and I was watching the trailer for your book and I was like, this looks like a really good book. I was like, you can pre-order it. When's it come out? And I pulled it up and it was like 2018. (laughs) You should pre-order. You should still pre-order. Just pre-order. I kind of want it now. (laughs) I don't want to wait to go back in time to get your book. Oh my God. I need, I think I need to do some updating. So yeah, as you're like, where can people go? I'm like, I don't know if you want to go there. Um, 
I mean, even now, like we're trying to be off of social media a lot more just for people's health and wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, But I post about sacred feminine on Instagram. That's the only time I am on Twitter. It's just like let people know about things because I, I just am trying to like guard, guard my brain and my emotional stability. So I don't go on social. Good choice. But um, so you can find them there. Um, I did just come out with a new song. It's on iTunes and Spotify. Um, so that. And that, but that's under Issa Ma. Oh yeah, Issa. So it's I S A space M A. And um, yeah, so sacredfeminine.co, Issa Ma is on music platforms. And then Lisa Gunger is just the Instagram deal. Yeah. Magical. Yeah, that's it. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited. Thank you. Um, thank you. About doing this. And I, I appreciate your voice. And um, I can't wait till we can all meet up in LA and have a really juicy time. And um, you did it. Thanks. <laughs> it's going to be so <laughs> yummy. We're going to drop in somewhere. And I, I don't really know what else to say about that. But anyway. Lisa Gunger, thank you so much for being on Better Sex with me. <laughs> Tell Michael, hey, we'll talk to you soon. I will. All right. Thank you, friend. All right. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Better Sex. If you liked or were challenged by what you heard, you can subscribe to the Sex Therapy List on my website, bettersex.com. B-E-T-T-E-R-S-E-C-T-S.com. You can follow us on all social platforms on the handle at bettersex. And please like and share this episode with anyone you think would appreciate the conversation. Once again, I'm your host, Matthew Chambers. We'll see you next time for another episode of Better Sex. Better Sex.